Hey guys, this is Mindcast with your host, Kevin Seaman, where we talk about what's going on in your head. Hi, and welcome to Mindcast. This is your host, Kevin Seaman. The genius of using a standard procedure. The first time I heard the term standard procedure, it was when I was cutting my teeth as a cook at a high-volume restaurant. I was about 18 years old, and my shift supervisor, Victor, was the cook who trained me. Vic looked me straight in the eye and said right out of the gate, the most important thing to remember is to use a standard procedure when you're prepping food prior to the shift and while cooking. If you don't, you'll forget something crucial. I guarantee it. And then we'll have such a disaster They'll have to call the National Guard to come and clean it up, Vic impressed with a little smirk. Although that was a bit of an exaggeration, I caught the message he was trying to convey loud and clear. Vic taught me some of the most important lessons at being effective while running a full restaurant, slinging eggs, and other late-night meals during a graveyard shift of the Caro's Hickory Chip Restaurant, where I'd just gotten a job. Working an all-night shift was the only job position that was available, and I was in. At that time, I was living in a one-bedroom apartment with two other guys in Isla Vista, California, and just trying to make ends meet. I loved the graveyard shift because I could surf during the day and work nights. Victor was adamantly training me in a way that was almost military-like in its approach. He had a checklist of his SOP or standard operating procedure, that contained every prep item necessary for our shift. And it started from the biggest jobs to the smallest details. It was impressive. I had never had anybody train me in such detail. Later in my life, as I worked as an accomplished chef and kitchen manager, I used this approach when I was managing and training all my kitchen staff. I continue to grow and improve this approach through the years. It has helped me to become an excellent teacher and coach. It is absolutely brilliant. Okay, here's what I learned through the years. Number one, write everything down or have a template or a permanent checklist that you follow. Number two, work on the biggest, most important or time-consumptive tasks first. This way, if you run out of time, the bulk of your list is complete and you can finish the details as you work. One whale is worth more than a thousand buckets of minnows. Number three, work on the things that are important, but not necessarily urgent. Things that are important many times will eliminate the necessity for other areas becoming urgent. If you find something is both urgent and important, that task takes priority above all else. Prioritize your actions based on the effect it might have on yourself and others. Am I doing things right should never preclude, am I doing the right thing? Examine how your actions will affect all those involved. Number four, when you work, only focus on work. When you play, focus only on that. Avoid splitting your mindset between the two simultaneously. Don't waste time. Get your focus on the task set you are dedicated to accomplish, and then stay on it until it's completed. It's okay to take a break to rest, drink, and eat, but don't use that as an excuse to dawdle. Bust out of the gate in full stride 
when you begin your task set and keep the pace until it's completed. Number five, your mind can only hold one thought at a time. Even when you're multitasking, you're switching back and forth between the tasks. When you do multitask, do it systematically. Let's look at this in regard to working at home. You could start your laundry and then begin the kitchen cleanup. By the time the dishwasher is loaded, you can run that while you switch out the laundry from the washer to the dryer. Set the sprinkler or other time-oriented tasks so that they can be stacked. So that's working while you're doing other stuff. If you're cooking at the same time, set the timer for a roasted meal or slow cooker so that can be going while you're doing some of the other jobs. Job stacking in this way is the most efficient way of working. Number six, stay organized. Organization eliminates clutter, waste, and confusion. Prioritize your job by what you will need first, then second, and so forth. Work on what is crucial to the successful outcome first and foremost. Number seven, if you work in a systematic job, do it the same way each and every time in an excellent fashion. Change things only with the focus of elimination of waste or wasted time and energy, with economics and simplicity as your guidelines. Improvement should be the focus of any changes. Number eight, replicate, replicate, replicate. If it's great, replicate it with greatness. Once you've found what works the best, keep duplicating that procedure. Number nine, standard procedure is based on good habits and working in an effectively habitual manner. Habits become established to make your life easier, more effective, and give you additional time, focus, and attention to direct at problems and challenges as they arise. Over 95% of everything we do in life is due to a formed habit. One of my favorite phrases in regard to life habits is, bad habits are easy to develop and hard to live with, whereas good habits are hard to develop but easy to live with. By developing good habits, your life will be that much better, productive, and easier. Number 10, your standard procedure should be the very best way to accomplish your task with what you have to work with at that moment in time. The best evaluation of this is to start with the end in mind. So often, people start things without thinking them through logically with the end result in focus and then they're not happy with the outcome. Number 11, take time to review and sharpen your standard procedure often. Don't get stuck. If there is something you have experienced or learned from your daily work routine or other people's procedures that can benefit your standard procedure, institute it and test its validity. If it's better or more efficient, revamp by adding this replacement in place of or in addition to your current standard operating procedure. If you're a business owner, you need to work on your business as well as in your business. Number 12, that's the way we've always done it. Red flag alert. Just because someone says that's the way we've always done it, it's good enough, or if it's not broken, don't fix it, doesn't mean it works optimally. In fact, that type of antiquated thinking is not progressive. It has a tendency toward complacency and should absolutely be evaluated. Strive to maintain a growth mindset rather than a fixed mindset. 
Take some time out of your week to evaluate your procedures. Are they set out of economics and productivity with successful outcome and focus or established without much real thought and perhaps based on what's easiest at the moment rather than performance focused? By using a standard procedure, you'll also eliminate missed job priorities and have less opportunity to forget things within that standard procedure of tasks. I find when I'm distracted from my routine, I'm more likely to forget something, and sometimes that thing that is forgotten is integral to the smooth operation of the outcome I want to achieve. I like the approach I learned from Stephen Covey in regard to time management based on the habit of begin with the end in mind. First of all, you can't really manage time, but you can manage how you use your time. Time is a perishable gift. It should be valued as such. Once it's gone, it can never be retrieved. Dr. Covey organizes things into four time quadrants. Number one, urgent and important. Number two, important but not urgent. Number three, urgent but not important. And number four, not urgent and not important. The first quadrant are things that we react to on a daily basis. They appear to be both urgent and important. They are pressing problems, deadlines, and crises. And most of the world spends their time managing one urgent and important crisis after another. An example of this is when you or someone you love gets physically hurt. Filing your taxes picking up your kids from school, refueling your nearly empty vehicle, making an airline flight. You get the idea. The second quadrant is important but not urgent. These are things like planning, staying fit and healthy, nurturing your relationships, prospecting new opportunities, building and improving your business, rest and recreation, personal development, or learning new skills. As Dr. Covey puts it, to sharpen the saw. Although these activities don't seem important enough to be urgent, they are the activities that help you prosper, grow, and flourish. The third quadrant is urgent, but not really important. These things include most phone calls, random texts, most emails, poor use of time with unnecessary meetings or needless interruptions. Many times, these are the things that other people want and feel that they are urgent for them, and they want them to be urgent for you too. These things don't do much to enrich your life for the better, yet many people jump to respond to them. It blows my mind when someone I might be in a meeting with or someone I'm talking to answers the phone when it rings. It just kind of says like, uh, yeah, your time isn't that important, but this next urgency is. The fourth quadrant is neither important nor urgent. These activities are basically wasting time. They include watching mindless TV, surfing the internet, watching random videos, random texts, random phone calls, shooting the breeze about BS, and busy work without real production. When you look at this concept of the four quadrants, it helps you to clarify what is truly important in regard to scheduling your life and your time. The focus of this is maintaining your priorities. In other words, keeping the most important things, the first things, first. As Dr. Stephen Covey said, 
The key is not to prioritize what's on your schedule, but to schedule your priorities. Invest your precious time to plan with the mindset of what is the most important priority I have at this present moment in time. Spend a mere 15 to 30 minutes a week to write down what you will accomplish to help bring you forward on your road to happiness and success. And that will do more for you than you can possibly ever imagine. Take that time this week to evaluate and assess what will make the most difference and follow through with that objective and schedule your priorities. Find your standard procedure for every task you take on and hone that standard procedure until it becomes excellent. Thank you. If you are inspired from gaining value and growing your passion from these Mindcast presentations, do something for me and for your friends. Share this podcast with two people that you think would benefit from my strategies and coaching methods. Pass on that energy and help spread the positivity you find on Mindcast. I am so grateful that you've taken the time to listen to this episode of Mindcast. It is my vision and drive to help others improve themselves and discover their potential. Each and every one of you has a uniquely special combination of talents, aptitude, and abilities that belong to you and you alone. My goal is to inspire passion in you to discover those gifts. Be sure to check out all my episodes of Mindcast. If you enjoy Mindcast, check out my book, The Winning Mindset, co-authored with Jim Bro. It's packed full of rich, valuable, useful strategies. Also, if you want to get a hold of me, ask me a question, drop me a line. You can contact me at Kevin at TheWinningMindset.com. Until next time, this is Kevin Seaman, and this is Mindcast.